0: Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity.
1: Challenging, thought provoking, insightful. This is God in Country, the collision of faith and politics, hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran excellence killed the church how mediocrity is destroying america dr sean michael greener
2: well, How y'all how y'all doing somewhere along the line somebody gave me a radio show i don't know how it happened i was just walking along down the street and because i'm white Someone handed me a radio show. They said, Hey, you don't have enough privilege. You're going to get you some privilege right now. We did notice that you was white. And so as a result, we're going to give you a radio show. We're going to give you some other stuff too, but radio shows, what you're going to get first. So what you going to do with it? Well, I don't know what I was going to do with it. I ain't never had no radio show before. Don't even know nothing about no radio shows really, truly. All I know is, is all of a sudden I was walking along. Somebody noticed I was white and said, I didn't get enough white privilege. So what they said was here, here's your radio show. I said, what am I going to call it? I said, I got to call it something. I got to call it some kind of snappy name. So what I do, I said, I was going to call it the collision of faith and politics. That's what I said. I was going to call it. I couldn't think of nothing else because I'm stupid. I might have white privilege, but you know what? I ain't all that smart. So I went on ahead and got me this radio show, what you're listening to today, called The, the, uh, the Collision of Faith and Politics. Now, I was going to call it The Intersection of Faith and Politics. Let me be honest. My great good friend, Jerry from Pennsylvania, he said, no, that's not active enough, except he don't talk like that with a southern accent. He said, no, call it The Collision of Faith and Politics. So that's what I done is I called it The Collision of Faith and Politics. That's what I done. That's what I done, what I done that day that day that I was walking along and somebody noticed I was white and said, Hey, you know what you're going to do? Cause you don't have all of y'all white privilege. We're going to give you some, it's going to be free of charge it's no cost drop to You just cause you're white. Well, that's not how it happened to me, but maybe it happened to you. That's right. Jerry from Pennsylvania says he's logged into chat. All y'all else, you know, log on in. It's crazy. We're going to have some stuff going on here today. By the way, we're going to have a great guest too. Uh, I'm really excited. Um, Dr. Stephen Turley, internationally known, um, he's he's written yet another, as our friends across the bo- across the pond say, "banger" of an article. Uh, he put it in the post. So anyway, so he put that in there, and I think it's uh, really really good. And um, I'm just not sure. I'm just not not sure what I'm going to do with it. It's kind of crazy. It's a good article really good article he just keeps knocking them out of the park doesn't he so we're excited to have you the collision of faith in politics and look here's the deal this show really i titled it the racism of politics the politics of racism and then the debate on the debate and one thing we can't argue with uh <sighs> there's some crazy stuff going on folks there's some crazy stuff going on And I don't know necessarily that we can make heads or tails out of all of it, to be real honest with you. Can you? I don't know. Maybe you can. Maybe you can. I don't want to go all Forrest Gump on you, but, you know, at some point or another, some of us have to say, you know, life is a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. There's lots of disinformation out there. Everywhere you look, there's disinformation. Everywhere we turn, there's disinformation. There's people saying stuff that, now you know good and well isn't true. Or do you know it's, it's some? sometimes I say stuff people say, well, that cannot possibly be true. Can't be true, Dr. Sean, cannot be true. But it is. But it is. It's absolutely true. And what are you going to do about it? Well, collision of faith and politics could have very, very least have been uh, called the collision of truth. And lies. So much of it. So much of it. How do you make any uh sense of any of it? Really and truly. How do you? I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it. I, I think you need great discernment, as my friend Jerry says. I think you need great discernment. How do you get that? Boy, you better know some stuff. You better be locked in, locked and loaded on your prayer. Now, that's just a straight-up fact right there. You had better be locked and loaded on your prayer. I ask God, say, Father, show me, show me your word. Show me how it applies to today to help me discern what's true, what isn't true. Welcome to our folks that joined us from uh, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Facebook is facebook.com backslash smgreener at Gmail. No, SM, no, that's my email address. I don't even know. smgreener. Greener. It's just Facebook.com. My buddy Sean knows how to do all this stuff. He's uh he's been he's working a lot, military fireman. He's doing doing awesome work. Great guy. Um, but uh, we're gonna get we're gonna get that other website, the God and country radio website cranking up here in a little bit. But listen, I'm I'm glad to have you listening. However, you're listening, whether you're on mobile device or otherwise. An interesting fact you might find uh, interesting Sunday's message, by the way. You can find all of our recordings. You can find them all on theninjapastor.com or com. D R S H A W N G R E E N E R. And you guys, if you follow me at Twitter, uh, SM Green, it's just The Ninja Pastor is what it is. By the way, did you guys hear that uh, Tim Tebow smashed a home run in his first professional baseball game of sorts? Uh, he's in the Instructional Professional League. Yeah. First at bat, crushes a home run. That's funny. I like that guy. You guys know I like that guy, right? It's not If you've listened once or twice, you know I like Tim Tebow. I like what he stands for. And somehow or another, Tim Tebow getting a knee, taking a knee, for about a half a second and thanking Heavenly Father, not making uh not making some big statement, just uh just putting a knee down and thank you, Father. You know, makes a touchdown, thank you, Father. And gets back up and celebrates with his team, doesn't hold anything up. That is a real problem, but somehow or another. Somehow or another. Somehow or another he's worse than, than, uh, some, some good, good fellas. Good fellas or fellas. They, they're playing a game of football. They don't, they don't hardly have nothing because of the white privilege. The one guy's only got $14.9 million a year. Now, I mean, he's, you know, that gum, what you want that boy to do with, only 14 million dollars a year. What with white privilege and all against him. <laughs> what you going to do with that, poor fella? Then the other fella is one guy's making 11.4 million dollars a year guaranteed for 5 years. NFL stands for not for long. Boy, he got a good deal, didn't he? He probably won't even be in the game that long. But poor fella, you know, he he's got that white privilege working against him. Yet yeah, Tim Tebow, he he drops to his knee immediately upon going in there. Does some, some stupid dance, banging on his chest. I'm like, look at me, look at me, look at me. I'm great, aren't I great? No, he just peacefully and quietly, with class, puts his knee down on the turf, looks to heaven, thanks to the father, gets back up and does his does his job, gets back to work. You know, friends, that's that's the frustrating thing here. There's double standards, a whole lot of double standards. You know, by the way, and my my good friend Jerry from Pennsylvania, he he points out he's selling an awful lot of uh, Tebow, selling an awful lot of Mets jerseys, even in the Instructional League of baseball. Now he hasn't, he has not played baseball since high school. Let me tell you tell me, this guy's not a phenomenal athlete. He's a winner. But every team, any any professional NFL team, he outsold every other player in jerseys, even if he was the third string. Why? Because there's an army behind him. But you know what? The army behind Tim Tebow, you know what we don't do? We don't stand up. We don't, we don't, uh, <laughs> you know what we don't do? We don't block road roadways. We're going to talk about the ratings fall, by the way. Jerry and I, great minds think alike. Kaepernick, the more Kaepernick opens his mouth, the more these stupid, uh, anti-American, ingrate, don't even know a bit of history, punks, rich punks, do their little stupid stuff on the NFL the more the NFL ratings fall. They're the lowest they've ever been. Good. Good on you. I'm darn glad of it. I'm glad of it. Sure am. So the debate. First thing I want to talk about is this. And I'm just going to say it straight up. Uh, somebody else posted uh, this, uh, Phil Pustievsky. Um, On September 13th, he posted this on the, on the interweb. And he said, every election cycle, it's the same old, same old in the conservative circles. What is different about it this time? This time, we have to decide between Donald Trump and the most unethically corrupt, no good, Alinsky lover, Hillary Rodden Clinton. As, be, as as unfriending doesn't seem to answer the problem, it's worth the time to write out exactly the thoughts that crossed my mind. Here's a list, and this is his list. Here's a list of how those that think that they're doing the principal thing and not voting for Donald Trump and allowing Hillary Clinton to win are absolutely wrong. And some of those folks, listen, you need to understand some some of those folks. I I really am good friends with, and I and I and I respect you. I respect your right to to. To go your own way. to You know, a lot of people talk about voting your conscience. Look, I get it. I get it. I do. I do. By the way, last week somebody told me uh, Tammy Bruce listened. She does a great radio show, Tammy Bruce. Really, really great. I don't know how she could do it, but she did it. That's what they tell me. Look here. Go back to this article just for a second. Uh, it's my belief. This is this is just me. This is Sean Greener talking, the ninja pastor. You're, I have a lot of friends that I think are, are good, good people who say, look, I will never flip the lever for Donald Trump. I'll never do it. I just won't do it. I'm not going to do it. Well, I think Phil Posyevsky makes a very, very good, very, very good uh, point here. And for me, my conscience is clear. I am going to flip the lever, press the button, do the jig, whatever it is I got to do. I'm going to do it. Yeah, that make me do a line dance. I'll do it too. You better believe it long they got good country music playing. You're not more conservative than those who have decided to vote for Donald Trump or have always supported him for president. You're actually more like a liberal. My way or no way at all. That's a good principle to have, not. This is Phil really lined these up here. Phil Postievsky. He's really, uh, he's kind of going right to the point here. You're not a better person for standing on the sidelines and watching Hillary Clinton become the next president of the United States, allowing this woman to be the next president of our great nation. Is most likely the most un-American thing you could allow to happen. But hey, you're principled. Destroying the country further after the Obama terror years makes all the sense in the world. Got a bunch of callers. I don't know. I don't think we're going to be able to take any calls, folks. If you uh, if you're a caller and I don't know who you are because I don't know who you are. There's six one two and three four seven numbers popping up. Text me who you are, where you're calling from, and what you want to talk about. Here's the number. If you're listening, write it down. Three zero two. 593 1679 Ready? Here it comes again. 302-593-1679. Text that number. They'll get it to me. And we'll know who you are before we pick up because we don't have a call screener today. And I have some folks calling this show and emailing me that you just would not believe. And no, I'm not afraid of you, but I'm not going to waste some precious time, uh you know, jabbering with you. So, Let me know who you are, and and if uh, we prove that, then we'll get you on. All that said, you're not a better person for standing on the sidelines. It's funny that now I'm getting calls from the people. Instead of texting me, they're calling me, like I can take a phone call during the show. You're welcome. Thank you very much. For Pete's sake. are simple instructions. You're not a better person for standing on the sidelines. Look, folks, look. I, I've had a lot of people say, you know, now we got to stand on principle, got to keep the integrity of the process. You know where the integrity of the process really is? It's in that. It's in that time when we have 250 people running. It's about what it looked like. 17 human beings up on the stage trying to debate. Good lands. Circular firing squad, if I ever saw one. Now your chance, your chance to really get involved and be principled and really get on get after it was right then folks it was right then why because that's your time you know if your guy my guy was was Ted Cruz you say what you want you know people are mad at him now because he said you know yeah I'm gonna vote for him I understand why he was uh, reluctant why he was reticent to throw his his weight behind Donald Trump absolutely absolutely I understand it makes all the sense in the world Donald Trump said some horrible things about um, Ted Cruz's spouse, who is a great lady, and his father. He said some terrible things, and I'm not for it. Thank you, Jimmy. If I can get to you, I'm going to get to you. I don't know how long you can hold, but uh, it'll be a long time. It'll be a good bit. See, that, that fellow, Jimmy, he, he said, uh, he, he, see, he had he followed instructions. followed instructions but look you know ted cruz i i completely understand i completely understand why ted cruz was mad i absolutely do i do he had every right to be mad absolutely but he sucked it up took one for the team now he and he and Donald Trump had many meetings afterwards. you know they were kind of friends before the, all this happened. I believe that if Donald Trump wins, please God let Donald Trump win if Hillary wins we are royally 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 under the bus and we'll never climb out. Hillary Clinton's win it's over it, it, it's over but hey you principal folks you know you you were mad at Ted because uh you know he didn't have a Uh, you know, he, he didn't endorse the writing campaign. He didn't, he didn't come out against, and still people are talking about, look, Ted Cruz is not running. I'm hoping that Donald Trump will make him a Supreme court nominee. And I'm hoping that if we can maintain, uh, Congress that we, the majority that we will be able to put that fella into the Supreme court and, and may he have a long, long life because there's no better we can put on there. But your principle. No Ted Cruz, Gary Johnson, or Jill Stein. They will not win in a massive write-in campaign, normally by their names actually being on the 2016 ballot in November. History tells you this. Look, it's, it's not a leap. It's not a leap, my friends. This is not a giant leap. We're not struggling to understand history. This is reality, and we see how it is. History tells us we can look at it. No, they are not going to. Ted Cruz isn't going to be a right-in guy. He's already said that. Gary Johnson, look, he's running. I don't know why. Jill Stein, smart lady. She's super wrong. Super wrong. About almost everything, but she's very intelligent. They're not going to win. And it won't be different this year because you have a larger amount of people. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Have we learned nothing? Your principles in not voting for Trump, Donald Trump has not even come close to doing the things that Hillary Clinton has done. If you're voting your principles, how can your principles allow a Hillary presidency? How can you allow this evil wench? to be in the most powerful place in the land. So in one moment, she says she is so uh, absolutely competent. She's so absolutely the woman. She's so absolutely the person who, who should be president. Uh, she's so competent. She was the most competent, she says, out of all of the people running, even when there was 250 people running. but she didn't know the basics as it relates to what to do with classified information she didn't know she didn't know she she lied she flat out lied about all the FBI stuff the email stuff you know all that stuff she knew it was a lie she knows it's a lie uh, but even if we took her a truth and said, oh, I don't know, wipe, what do you mean? With Like with a rag? <laughs> now, we now know the, 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 that the team bleached the emails, bleached them gone. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. And they were uh, under subpoena. And they knew it. So bleach, they bleach bit this thing and they they say, oh, well, you've gotten everything. And then a little while later, we get 5,000 more. Then a little bit later, we get 7,000. A little bit later, we get 11,000. Woman's a liar. Woman's a liar. That's all there is to it. Woman's a flat-out liar. And you know what? Here's the thing. You look at all the things, and you say to me, look, uh, you know, uh, we want to know how much money actually did Donald Trump make. Is he lying about how much money he has? Is he bragging? Because I'm going to tell you right now, folks, I am going to tell you right now, even if he's only worth $500 million, actual $500 million, I don't care what he's worth, He's worth a lot more than me. Somehow or another, fellow fella can fly around the universe first class on his planes, stay first class, eat first class, live first class. Somehow or another, he can do it, and he doesn't ask for a dime from the government. Uh, the other night, a big deal is made out of the fact that Lester Holt, may, he, come on. Will he pay zero tax? Even if that's true, I don't know if that's true or not. That's a win. As a corporation, that's a win. The documents that we know of, latest fiscal year, he made roughly $672 million personally. That, my friends, is a lot more money than I make. That's what he made personally. That's more than I make. That's more than Hillary Clinton. Uh, wait a second. Did I just say I started to say Hillary Clinton made. We don't know what she made. You know why? Because she gets her money. You know what he does? What 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 Donald Trump does is he goes out and he generates, he generates capital he generates a product and service that's what he does and somebody makes money off of what he does a whole lot of folks tens of thousands of people well there's a lot of plumbers and electricians that you didn't pay you stiffed them I'm glad my dad's not alive yeah he might have worked for you well your dad would have worked for him and he'd have been glad of it Lester Holt all that, all that innuendo getting flung around. Nope. Look, you got to do the job, right? That's, that's the reality. You got to do the job, right? By the way, Jimmy, thank you for checking in. See, he did, he did that. He did it the right way. He, he sent the message to the line and, and uh, told me who he was from New Jersey. I just I just don't think we're going to be able to get to him today. I don't think we're going to get any callers today. It's nice of all y'all to call but i just don't i don't think i'm gonna get to him today it's a pack show what in the world could you even come up with that's in any way comparable to what hillary clinton has done i'm going to talk more about it after we talk to dr dr turley maybe some during the conversation but what in the what in the world are you going to put there this woman kills people this woman ruins reputations of women who were raped by her husband Anyway, back to the article. Trump is not a politician. He never has been. You can't compare a past record as a politician to anything. If you're going to say he was a Democrat all those years, did you look up how long he's been turning towards conservatism? Did you chastise President Ronald Reagan for being a Democrat before he was ever a Republican? No, you didn't. No, you didn't because you probably post pictures on your social media accounts on how much you miss him. How in the world can you sit on your butts and allow this to happen? You'll never claim being more conservative than me when my flight is just as strong as yours the difference in me and you is i will never as long as there's breath in me and phil Postiovich and me are in agreement as long as there is breath in me i will never allow hillary rodham clinton to steer the helm of this great ship called america a gift from god i will take my chances on the businessman who has them all scared to death Go ahead, give it your best shot. There's no logic for a conservative to ever allow Hillary to be the president, nor her husband, Bill, back in the White House doors. Not not even one. There's there's no argument. There's no logic for it. Now, my friend Jerry from Pennsylvania, this is what he said. Hillary made $23 million last year of what she has divulged, making 20-minute speeches for $225,000 each. Who pays her? People who kill gays. Still kill gays to this day. You, you you LGBT people, how in the world you can support this woman? She's taken millions and millions of dollars from people who have sworn to kill you. That's just the reality. So, so what really happened at the debate on Monday night? Great article, Phil. Unbelievable. I hope you're listening. First of all, what did that dude do with the entirety of papers that he swiped from on Hillary Clinton's podium? Did you all see that or was I the only one? Oh, I I know what I saw because I watched the film. He handed them to Lester Holt. He goes up there as soon as the candidates move forward. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. That is exactly what happened. Yeah, watch the film. It's all over. It's all over my Facebook page and Twitter and everything. All that stuff, by the way, if you missed out, if you don't follow me on Twitter at the Ninja Pastor, the Ninja Pastor, you could, I live tweeted on uh, the the day of the debate, during the debate. $225,000 a piece, and she gets this money from people who are an enemy of the country. Man, you have got to be kidding me. I watched the film, the man came out from behind the scenes, he grabbed the, uh, he grabbed the, the, um, he grabbed the, the, uh, the papers, put them in this fold, you know, kind of covered them up, and then as Lester Holt is exiting through the back of the stage, he walks, intersects with him, boom, hands it to him, and off they go. Now, folks, that that's the real deal. That really happened. Why did it happen? Now, you say, well, maybe he's gotten up the papers. Maybe he's in charge of the papers for both candidates. No, he didn't make a move. He didn't make a move to Donald Trump's podium. Not one move. Nope. He knew where he was going. Watch that film over and over and over. Watch it from different angles. Tell me something weird didn't happen there. Now, I don't know if she had an earpiece in, but let me tell you something. I absolutely believed, based on how she was, her demeanor during the debate, that she absolutely knew what was coming. Now, you might say, no, 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 it couldn't be. No way. No, it's not how it is. They're good, principled people. That Lester Holt's a good fellow, I'll tell you. Listen, there's a lot of folks alleging that Hillary Clinton was provided the debate questions in advance. One of those folks who I trust a lot. His name is Kevin Jackson and he is the black sphere. You, you guys all read that. He's on Fox all the time and other places too. Look, there's a lot of people alleging that Hillary Clinton got the debate questions in advance, and I believe those papers had something to do with it. So Kevin Jackson says this, we'll have our guest on here in a couple minutes. I'm not sure there's any way to prove that Clinton got the debate questions in advance, nevertheless, would you be surprised if she did? Hillary Clinton isn't called Crooked Hillary for nothing. Why not get an advantage? When you have Hillary Clinton's record, you'll certainly need it. According to the Baltimore Gazette, uh, by the way, there's some misinformation um, on that site. You, you'll know that uh, they're misinformation, they're leftists, hardcore leftists, and he cites that. Multiple reports have leaked information from inside the Clinton camp that the Clinton campaign was given the entire set of debate questions an entire before the actual debate, an entire week. Earlier last week, an NBC intern was seen hand-delivering a package to Clinton's campaign headquarters, according to multiple sources. Package was not given to secretarial staff, as would normally happen, but the intern was instead ushered into the personal office of the Clinton campaign manager, Robert Mook members of the Clinton press corps from several media organizations were in attendance at the time. And a reporter from Fox news recognized the intern, but said he was initially confused because the NBC intern was dressed like a FedEx employee. The reporter from Fox questioned campaign staff about the intern, but campaign staff at first claimed ignorance. And then, then they claimed that it was just a FedEx employee who had already left. No reporter's presence who had seen the intern dressed as a FedEx employee go into Mook's office. They, none of them saw him leave by the same front entrance. The Fox reporter who recognized the intern also immediately looked outside the campaign headquarters, noted there was no FedEx vehicle parked outside. Even if Clinton had the questions, you know what, if you watched that, it didn't help her much. She gave stilted answers, most of which were standard Democrat talking points. The Democrats rely on skullduggery to win. They simply can't play fair. If they played fair, they'd never win. And Trump knows this. This is why he continually discusses winning as a strategy. Kevin goes on to say, I'm glad the Gazette posed this question. As the the email from DNC proved, this type of malfeasance is certainly possible with the Clinton campaign. I would even go a step further. Look, if they didn't do it, I would be shocked. I would. I would absolutely be shocked. Now, folks, we're so fortunate to have Dr. Steve Turley on. I'm telling you, um, we'll come back to this after after we finish with Steve. I'm gonna give you some shocking, shocking things after this interview. Um, do only Black Lives Matter? There's gonna be some things that I talk about that during the debate were said. My biggest takeaways all that stuff. We'll come back to that. Uh, once, um, we finish the interview with Dr. Turley, but I know his time is limited. You folks know Dr. Steven Turley's phenomenal guy, really, really uh, flat out brilliant dude. Um, he's, he's a prolific writer. He writes an awful lot. You can see his stuff. He's written some great books. Um, and he can tell you all the titles of those and, and where you can get them. But, um, I want to say we're just, we're honored to have him again. He's a great resource for the show. And, uh, but he, he wrote this article. Hey, uh, Dr. Turley, are you with us?
3: I am, Dr. Sean. How are you doing?
2: Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm fired up and ready to rock and roll. Um, yeah. So, so you wrote uh, an article about Colin Kaepernick, sports and nationalism, civic or national, uh, civic or ethnic identity. And you published that on the 20th. Um, and, and I just have to say, I read it and I thought, right row, oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> Dr. Turley is, is stepping into the flame as we speak. So what motivated you to write that article?
3: I guess uh, I it, really based on the reaction that I was reading, um, from the, uh, uh I think everyone's pretty familiar with the Colin Kaepernick, uh, protest. I mean, certainly it's, uh, just made it to the cover of time magazine, it's made its way out throughout um, the, uh, uh, the the pro player circuit as well as high school and college, so it's it's everywhere. And I just noticed there was a, the the reaction was uh, predictably predictably polarized, um, from uh, Kaepernick being a traitor to uh, to being celebrated as a hero. And, um, and what I thought, um, I thought this was a really neat opportunity actually to explore the, the profound window that professional sports can open into contemporary American culture, particularly what I see as the consequences of a secular culture. In other words, I think that the secularization of our society over the last Century actually entails an inherent futility, what I, what I call a cultural incoherence, that has led precisely to this kind of uh, controversy surrounding Kaepernick. And so I just—Hey, uh, let me interrupt you for
2: just a second. Yeah. Let me interrupt you, yeah. and I'm sorry to do that, but we can normally we hear you real real well today. For some reason, you're real real faint. So am if, I really uh,
3: okay? Let me see. Let me move to another phone. I definitely don't want to be faint for you here. <laughs>
2: There we, there we go see that's what that's that? what we, that do that we do here. oh man that's that so be- super perfect
3: well there you go all right great I don't know what this the other one is a nah, handheld no so I'm going to the good old-fashioned uh, cord phone here so. <laughs> um, can beat the cord
2: so go on I apologize for interrupting you
3: <laughs> oh not at all please thank you um, so I hope you were able to hear but my my basic motivation was to act I think Kaepernick which, what 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 critics and supporters don't get is I think that Kaepernick, the whole Kaepernick situation, the picture of it, of him kneeling with the players next to him standing, that really captures what I think is a cultural incoherence that's entailed in secularism. So I see secular society as entailing an inherent futility that's led precisely to this kind of controversy. I think it's frankly inevitable Given the assumptions of secularism, so I develop an argument that this cultural contradiction inherent in secularism makes this kind of polarization inevitable. And I would go so far as to say uh, that this polarization, given secularism, is irresolvable. It's it's irreconcilable.
2: Now, why? Yeah, I, I remember a time. I, I do remember this time. Um... I didn't watch a lot of television when I was a kid. I'll just, I'll be honest with you. I lived, I was a country boy and I grew up out in the country and we didn't, we, you know, we didn't have cable back then. We didn't have any of that kind of thing. And really our lives didn't center around television It centered around being outside, playing, doing, working, you know, doing your chores, all those kind of things, hunting and fishing and all that. Um, so, so I wasn't a real TV intensive guy, but you know, you would see football games on every now and then. And and it was kind of a big deal on holidays and such. But I have to say, we, we just weren't we just weren't really super into the television. Now, right. that being said, I do remember when the national anthem was being played, the players, the people on the sideline, it was a big deal. It was a big right. deal. Everything stopped for the national anthem. But now we have uh, these super rich, super spoiled. Uh, players who who have lived lived quite frankly a, an extremely entitled life. Call it what it is. It's they've been they've been super coddled. If they're and in the NFL, they have um, uh, Dorian Boss, the guy, the magician guy that was on uh, America's Got Talent. I learned a lot about what his life was like. His his personal life was terrible coming up, but he was a long he is a long snapper for the Philadelphia Eagles for the last 14 years. But he said, you know, once once it became clear that he was going to be a you know an NFL player. He was of that quality, even back in junior high, you know, you get coddled, you get, you get pushed along, you get, you know, you get helped out a lot. So, so almost every single uh, player of that caliber is really, you know, they've been treated super fine their whole life. So they're coddled, they're right. Molly coddled. Right. So now all of a sudden we have this group of, of people who are ingrateful, uh, they're ungrateful, they're just, they're just rabbit ingrates. And what do they do? They say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to use this to be a, uh, a, a a pulpit. I'm going to be, this is going to be my bully pulpit. And I'm going to get up there and I'm going to say what I believe. I'm going to, I'm going to make a stand. I'm going to make a, and they, but they choose to kneel or turn their back. I've, I've seen some that have actually turned their back on the flag. Uh, some say I'm not coming out of the stadium. I'll walk back in till it's over. I'm not even going to stand underneath that flag. Right. And and so they do this. And these people have been given every opportunity by this country because th- this opportunity is not available to them anywhere else in the world.
3: Right. Right. It is it is ironic that they're they're protesting the flag that gives them the right to protest.
2: <laughs> well, isn't isn't that something? So so what happened? What what happened to society? What happened? What happened to us, the people? I get what happened with them. You know, you get that much money. I, I always say, look, if it costs you two hundred fifty dollars to take four people to a football game, right? On right. a Sunday, you're gonna you're gonna drop, and I think that's probably light. I my friends that yeah, you're in those lead sections there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know what they pay, but I you know I heard a guy one time talking about he paid two hundred fifty dollars just to take his his you know his kids and his wife went to this football game. That's a lot of money. Well, the reason you're paying all that is because, uh, you. It, it, it's, we've got to cover now, huge salaries. We've got to cover right. salaries that are, you know, unbelievably high. And you know, I, okay, they generate money. They generate money for the team. They're they're a they're a builder, uh, in many respects. They they are their product. so okay, right, right. I'll I'll buy some of that. But but at some point. When you have Joe regular American. Right. Who's gone to work and he's just trying, man, he is looking forward to, he saved up his shekels and he's going to go see the Denver Broncos, Carolina Panthers uh, football game at, at, at a sports authority field at my high stadium. They're excited, man. He's he's man. We're so excited. And he's doing, he's done without a lot. Maybe he skipped lunches for a couple of months so he could put that money away, take his kids and his wife to the game. Right. And and so he's got to do that. He's got to make that level of sacrifice because some entitled, self-absorbed, ignorant fool is going to kneel and say he knows more than the history books. He knows right. more than right. the right. facts. And in your article, I, I like what I like what you say here. I'm going to quote you on this. Recently across the nation, Sunday was a day of ritual. No, I'm not talking about church liturgies. I'm referencing rather to the demonstration stage by a number of National Football League players during the National Anthem. Colin Kaepernick obviously he sparked it and now we've got high school kids and college teams and and uh University of Michigan a Harbaugh you know I have a lot of respect for Harbaugh he's a he's a phenomenally motivational coach he's he's uh super smart you know all that but he says no I don't have a problem with it I don't have a problem if my players do it uh now Michigan University of Michigan you might remember was the same one that said hey you should give us different tests we should have uh, We should have different tests. Black people should not be given the same tests as white people. And you know what? We should be allowed in to the university because we are black. whether We shouldn't have to pass a test. That should be a deciding factor for us getting in. And they won. They won. University of Michigan won. So that's where he is, and he's doing his thing, and I get it. A lot of pressure, but I'm very disappointed in him. I'm very disappointed in all these other coaches. There are high school coaches who they keep their team off the field until after the national anthem is played, then they come on, they do all the warm ups and, and stuff outside the stadium, then they come in and do that because they say, hey, we don't want to disrespect anybody here. You know, they, they're bringing light to an important thing, but it's all lies. It's absolute lies right. there. Right. This whole protest is based on lies. Right. So um, you talk about Bill O'Reilly in your article. Tell me tell me a little bit more about that.
3: Yeah, that was part of really the polarizing reaction. So on one side, uh, Bill O'Reilly, I think, spoke for a lot of people when he said, you know, look, I'm just tired of seeing America be smirched by protests such as Kaepernick's. And uh, Steve King, actually, I pointed out, goes even a step further. He actually argues this lack of patriotism is is akin to sympathy for ISIS. So that would Mm -hmm. be like one side. And then on the other side, you have Michael Powell the New York Times. He says that Colin Kaepernick finds his voice and very approving and very supportive. And uh, Jordan Sargent, I also quote uh, from uh, the website Deadspin, um, he summed up his sympathies with simply saying Colin Kaepernick won. So there's this support uh, versus um, uh, a a real, uh, well, counter-protest to Kaepernick. And, uh, and so y- y- you definitely see sort of this traditionalist, globalist um, uh, structure emerging that we're seeing in the election uh, where um, there, are, there are those who are, uh, just don't understand why it is that anyone could not honor a flag that itself honors those who died for our freedoms and then on the other side, uh, you have an emerging, and this is really kind of at the heart of my art, article, sort of an emerging cult, multicultural absolutism, that uh, that in effect rejects any any culture, any more dominant culture than one's more uh, ethnic uh, allegiances. And unfortunately, I think secularism actually creates those split allegiances. It creates that dichotomy, and that's that's kind of what I explore, the dynamics of how secularism does that.
2: Well, <clears throat> a, a little bit later, it's almost like you were in our living room when I was a kid the, the, and when you wrote this. The modern intimacy between sports and nation can hardly be overstated. In his influential study on modern sports, Alan Goodman uh, sees this intimacy forges at, at least in part through the process of secularization, while Christians took an active role— in the sports world in the late 19th and early uh, 20th centuries, sports nevertheless took on what Goodman calls a kind of secular faith. This was due in no small part to the modernization of sports, which involved the standardization of rules, quantification of statistics and professionalization of players. One thing I'm going to say um, that stuck out to me about this is I, re- I remember um, I-, I do remember, by the way, thank you to the new. We had a bunch of n- uh, new listeners logging into chat. Um, We appreciate you joining us. And I don't know how you've learned of the show, but we're glad to have you tell your friends. So at at my house, if we sat down to watch a show, a a football game or uh, baseball was a a little bit bigger. We, for whatever reason, we're able to get those shows in a little bit better um, on more of a regular basis. But on special like holidays and things like that, football will be on, especially uh, like Thanksgiving and New Year's, you know, with the college football and all that. Well, sure. you know, the national anthem was really something. Sure. I mean, it was really something. I mean, you always want to know, well, who's going to sing the national anthem? And there wasn't a bunch of, you know, you see how people sing the national anthem nowadays. You think, my lands, what song are you singing? Are you trying <laughs> to bring right. honor and glory to yourself? Or are you trying to bring honor and glory to the country, uh, to the flag, right. and to all the people that died giving breath to the, the wind, uh, you know, waving that flag? I, I just... I, I, we never had that. We didn't have that kind of self-focused thing. And I'll tell you the truth too. When football players made a sack or they made a great play, I mean an unbelievable play, they might do a little bit of celebrating and pounding on their chest a little bit, but it wasn't all about them. It was about the team. Guys would stay right. on a team right. for years and years and years. It, it wasn't about them. It was about the team. The problem is nowadays, right. uh, a uh, player makes a marginal play. He jumps up and down and look at me, look at me, look at me, uh, look how great I am. And it's just a marginal play. It's, it's his job. It's like, uh, a bread, a bread stacker at the, at the grocery store manages to stack the bread without crushing it. And then he goes to the boss and says, Hey, I want to raise, look at me. I did my job. I didn't smush a single piece of bread. Well, that unfortunately is, 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 you know, what it's kind of become. We don't have a lot of humility anymore. Um, right. and, and I, be, I believe you're absolutely right I think it's become like a secular faith it's 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 become this thing um so tell me tell me about you, you do talk about baseball and the, the national league in 1876 american league a few years later tell tell me about that what what drove you to that and what was your thinking behind the your thoughts on on baseball where baseball fits into all of this
3: yeah, I was definitely interested in uh, tracing out the trajectory of nationalism in sports. So, um, you know, why are we even having this controversy in the first place? Because of the, really, the, the indispensable centrality of the national anthem uh, in, in, as in sort of an invocation for sport. And we're talking all sports. We're not just talking, you know, uh, football or professional football or, or, or even amateur. We're talking just every, my daughter's... Um, uh, volleyball teams always begin with uh, standing for the national anthem. Um, you know, this is in high school, the varsity, uh, junior varsity. So where where did that come from? And so what I what I found um, interesting is that as part of the uh, observation that sports moved from its religious and its more cultic uh, context, cultic meaning like temple and so forth. Think of the Greeks. Um, it, 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 I, I think going back, it's kind of interesting. You know, uh, sports were radically religious. Uh, you think of Paul in First Corinthians nine when he says, "Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control." The Greek there is enkratia, which means self-mastery. So, so the practice of sport was um, was literally a process of uh, moral sanctification. It created a sense of virtue. And, um, and a sense of, uh, of a flourishing human person in the civic life of the Greek city, state, and the like. So it was very much intimately bound up with the religious life. And what these scholars have pointed out is that in the 19th century, um, it, sports began to move away from any kind of uh, Christian religious context and they get caught up more in these globalized contexts. So You got what you were reading there, uh, professionalization of players, the quantification of statistics, the standardization of rules. So you see sports are seen more in terms of industry and innovation and ownership rather than means of character formation in light of tradition, religion. And what I found is along with these processes, you have the rise, of the centralized state during uh, the Reconstruction after Civil War, and here we see sports becoming an increasingly centralized and and nationalized uh, as part of efforts to try to create a, a unitive identity after after so much fighting. And so. Uh, the government starts really tapping into um, using sports as a way of sort of a unitive national identification. So you see baseball's national leagues formed in 1876, you know, almost just literally a decade after uh, the Civil War ends. The American League is, just a few, is founded just a few years later. Baseball games are regularly played on the 4th of July around this time. Uh, football follows uh, being played on, on Thanksgiving. And then if you go uh, back, go forward a few decades after World War II, that's when we begin to see the national anthem become the staple way to begin any sports event. And so scholars have noted that the Industrial Revolution, on the one hand, and the rise of the central state on the other, those two things sort of amputated sports away from their historic religious context, and they reunited sports to an industrialized and nationalized context. But this industrialized and nationalized context being secular has this other undercurrent to it, and that's what I think we're seeing with Kaepernick. Mm
2: -hmm. Um, Do you see... What do you make of the... And I think I know the answer to this, but i I don't want to uh, I don't want to assume what do you make of the um, high school kids now is it is it that now this is what I think you know I could be wrong. you're the expert, but the high school kids are emulating their football stars they're oh, they're they're yeah. yeah. they're they're becoming they say, hey, we can we can uh, we can somehow or another. We can make ourselves a big deal. We can get it. Look at all the attention that these NFL players—they already were getting a lot of attention. Now look, wow, we really, uh, we really could get our our piece of this. So what we're going to do is we're going to do the same thing that that they did, and let's see what kind of coverage we get, and let's act all like, oh yeah, we got uh, you know, this is this 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 is the bad deal we got going here. Uh, this is terrible you know, and we're going to stand up and we're, we're brave. Uh, I don't know. Am I, am I right on that or, or, or what?
3: Yeah, I think, I actually think you've hit the heart of it (laughs) right there. And um, I think you and I talked about this uh, several months back um, in terms of the uh, Black Lives Matter movement on uh, college campuses. Uh, You, I think you've got it. And I actually think it's sort of the heart of things because uh, both in our high school context and our college context, starting around the nineteen fifties and sixties, um, the uh, the school boards and uh, and the uh, and the college uh, presidents and so on, they they replace the classical liberal arts curriculum with a multicultural curriculum. And this is largely because of the advent of the the modern research universities starting around the 1930s. Uh, prior to that, um, to be an educated person either in a high school setting or in a college setting was, was basically to be a young Christian gentleman or a young Christian woman. Uh, You you read certain books, you you recited certain poetry, you listened to certain music because it was considered that this was the curriculum that embodied virtue. And of course at the heart of these things, like you can go back to the New England Primer to see this, the heart of these things is the Bible. Uh, A great literature is because it explores the themes of the Bible in new and exciting and wonderful ways. So this is how a person was considered educated. They were, and of course, then they would get into a particular skill, whether it's uh, law or uh, science or what have you. Uh, But but they did so as an extension of uh, of a common cultural education uh, rooted in twenty five hundred years of uh, Western classical education, classical canon. That all that all goes out the window in the sixties. Uh, and that's largely because of the ascent of the modern research university, and the modern research university, in effect, says that science is the only way we can know. Science and, and modern facts are going to be alone the basis for our objective knowledge, and everything else is we're going to call values. And values are personal; they're private. You get to do, you get to identify, self-identify, with any value system you want, and so. The classical canon, as it were, the, the liberal arts canon was, was thrown away, and in its place was put sort of this radical multiculturalism. And that is the fruit, that that's the seed, I should say, that has spawned the Kaepernick protests. And so I think you're absolutely right because uh, you cannot have this sort of secularized nationalism on the one hand and then uh, give birth to all of these multiculturalisms on the other without, I think, eventually splitting allegiances. And that's what I think we're seeing on the college campuses, and I think with the Black Lives Matters movement, and certainly on high school uh, campuses. You're seeing students embrace these more micro-value systems, micro-cultures, ethnic cultures, that secularism has basically given space to. Again, historically, we had no problem saying, hey, guys, you know, some cultures love their neighbors, other cultures eat them. And we have no problem saying that that latter culture, the culture that eats them, that's a bad culture, because we had a standard. Our standard was was Christian-inspired Western culture. Today, that's gone. Today, who are we to judge that culture that eats its neighbors? If that's what they believe, if that's their culture, who am I to impose my culture on them? That's the radical multiculturalism. That's the cultural absolutism. That's why you have people say, hey, I don't, I, I don't have to take that test because that test is white, and i and and that's oppressive if i take it or as we're increasingly seeing as i know you've read about uh, uh dorm floors or even dorm buildings in some universities uh being assigned to a single race because people have demanded it these safe spaces where p- only people who share my values are allowed on and on and on this is what a secular world has spawned it's spawned on the one hand a civic uh, a nationalism that, uh, that celebrates the, the flag, the, the classical symbols of our freedom, but it's also spawned an ethnic nationalism in the realm of multiculturalism, which is basically uh, drowning the civic nationalism. And I think it's creating an incoherent culture. So we, I'm saying, I said, in effect, the culture of multiculturalism is incoherent
2: uh you, you said something the multiculturalism and and the acceptance especially of the left that something something occurred to me while you were saying that it, you know i always mention uh and there's a lot of people out there that are very 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 frustrated with the left especially the lgbt crowd because they, they say wait a second you how in the world could you march with a banner Uh, that you're LGBT against Islamophobia when they're very clearly going to kill you first chance they get, they're going to kill you. Now they may rape you first just for fun, but they're going to kill you. And they're going to kill you in the worst possible way they can think of, which trust me when I tell you from experience, they can think of a lot of bad ways. So, so, but they say, well, that's their culture. That's their culture. We, we can't argue with them about their culture. We can't do that because you know what? We're, You know, who are we to say what's good and right? Because, um, you know, we have to be uh, respective of their culture. Now, they say that and they feel good about saying that. The problem is gay people in other parts of the world and and really the West now, they ought to be afraid because they're coming here and they're saying, okay, are you a Muslim? Are you Muslim? Are you Muslim? Oh, lady, you don't have a uh, head covering on. I'm going to kill you. Oh, uh, you're gay, we go to a gay gay place and kill f- allegedly kill 49 people. Right. What come on? It, this is this is at some point, this multiculturalism has to become obviously a an abysmal failure. But right. they still cling to that. The left still clings to that and says, Oh, no, 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 we're fine, we're fine. Uh, they won't hurt us because <laughs> we're, you know, we're on their team. They're, you know, we respect them. We're in a dialogue. I love hearing that. We're in a dialogue. We we dialogue with them and so they won't kill us. Well, guess what? The right. the gays that got thrown off of roof with their with one foot tied to a rope. I've personally seen this. One foot tied to a rope, they they specifically make the rope slightly too short. And their goal is to yank one of the legs off of the person right before they go crashing into the ground head first. So wow. they're begging for their, for their life. And they're saying, you know, no, 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 you know, this is wrong. This is wrong. You know, whatever, begging, 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 begging. They still get thrown off whether they're gay or they're not gay. They look, do, don't even have a little bit of a lisp over there or, or, uh, you know, stand sort of funny or whatever, whatever affect, because that's what they judge it on. You say, well, that's very homophobic, uh, Dr. Sean. Well, you're dealing with people who have the largest hidden secretive uh gay underworld anywhere in the world yet they kill gays that seem gay you know somehow or another they they have some sort of affect that leads them to believe oh you're gay well the problem with that is is they do use the homophobic sort of looking at, well, look how he stands. You know, that fellow's gay. Look, he's got on skinny jeans. You know, that fellow's gay. Look at his hairdo. You know, that fellow's gay. Um, Listen to him purse his lips. You know, that fellow's gay. Well, it may not fly here where that's not the thing. We're not allowed to do that anymore. Right. We're not allowed to do that anymore. So what do we do? We, we talk around stuff and the left, this, this safe space, LGBT uh, my feelings are hurt. Uh, this this deal with the with the uh, with the same race, uh, blacks only dorms and floors and all this stuff. You know what? I remember when that first came out. I said, uh, I said, you watch and see. You watch and see. Folks will go do that, and it'll be really cool for a little bit. And then after a while, they're going to go. You know, this isn't as yeah. good. Or right. what they're going to do is they're going to say, Hey, wait a second. You know, because we're a black only dorm. Guess what? They don't clean our dorm as much. And then you say to him, you say, well, you say, you know, cleaning crews don't come in and clean up your room, homeboy. They don't clean up your room. Mama didn't clean your room. We ain't going to clean your room. You're supposed to clean your room. So it might have been cleaner over in the other place because you had some pressure on you to not uh, live like you're in the hood. You you had some pressure on you to keep stuff clean and and have some pride. Now, I'm not saying white kids are cleaner than black kids because I'm telling you the cleanest person I know is a black dude. And I remember when I was a kid, I went to his house and I was half afraid to sit down. I mean, his mama had, had all the furniture covered with plastic and she had, uh, I mean, it was, it was the cleanest place I've ever been in my life. And, and so I'm not going to say that, you know, there is that, but I'm saying this is, this is the natural thing and this is happening everywhere. They're doing this, this is happening. And they're saying, well, we're treated differently, uh, because we're being shunned. We're being shunned because of our color. No, you're being shunned because you said no. Well, I want to live on a dorm. Uh, I want to live in a dorm that is understanding and respective of me. I want to live in a dorm that that knows me and respects me and and uh, gives me my space and and respects my culture and blah 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 blah. Right. Okay. Great. But now you're going to whine because it's not as nice. It's not now. they need to build. You need to build a special one because we need special things and all this stuff. I I throw the red flag of stupidity. And I say, you know what, college professors, uh, college administrators, school administrators, you need to throw the flag. You say, you know what, we're not going. We're not going to do this. You know the, the the ratings in the NFL, according to Matt Dolliff, uh He writes for Sports News and and uh, a bunch of different places. He's really really sharp fella. He's with CBS Boston. Um, he he r- r- exposed this, and we all know this is true. The ratings for the NFL have dropped across the board in oh, week yeah, three. Totally Every tanking. week they've plummeted. They're tanking. Yep. Now, we understand yep. that Monday night, the Monday night game, the Atlanta Falcons, New Orleans, St. Hey, listen, that was a barn burner. They got after it. I didn't get to watch any of it because I was live tweeting. And before my crash, I could do five things at once, but now I can only do two. And I can tell you right now, uh, you know, I watched, you know, playbacks of parts of that game and, and, and they were, that was a killer game, but, but the ratings were down further than they were the last time there was any event like this in the same time. And then, uh, you know, football in general is plummeting. Why? I got in a big argument with uh, uh, this, this super liberal lady on my Facebook. She said, she said, you know, I don't like that you're pointing out uh, this problem with Kaepernick and all these other players. Not standing, you know, where are you uh, as it relates to women being uh, abused by the massive number of domestic violence against women and these football players, and nobody's doing anything about it? Well, that's not exactly true either. Uh, when you bring out one, you can't. I can't bring out every single thing, so I, I picked one and forwarded that and said, "Hey, what do you think, folks?" And then, you know, she and her her ultra gay uh, friend said, "You know." Uh she called herself ultra queer. I'm not gonna say ultra queer, but that's what she called herself. That's what they call themselves now. Ultra queer. You know, right, they can call right. themselves ultra queer. I can't call them that. So right, so right. her her friend gets on there and they're back and forth. You know, you have uh you have no problem with the victimization of women. I said, Well, we'll slow down, slam dancer. Let's take one topic at a time here. Let's just keep it to this. And how about I do another post? At some point in time, oh, yeah, yeah, when you can get around to it because women getting beat on by NFL, privileged NFL players, oh, that's no big deal. I said, how about this? Let's look at, let's do an examination of the color of skin of the people who are getting caught up in all this. Let's do that. Let's just do that. No, 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 we're not making it a racist thing. We're making it a football player thing. Oh, okay. So once we expose that it's 97% of the domestic violence issues relating in the NFL and the NBA are all black, all black. Now, the women that they're beating aren't all black. Many of them are white. So their spouses are white, girlfriends are white, fiancés, whatever the case may be. So there's, you know, there's some cross-race issue there. But then but then these people had the unmitigated gall to say, well, uh, you know, that's not fair because, uh, you know, most NBA and NFL players are black. Really? Is that the case? Because let me ask you something. If they're so, if they're so underrepresented, then you just told me that the reason why there's so many more beaten on their wives, girlfriends, friends, neighbors, person at a bar is because there's so many more of them than white people in sport. Mm -hmm. Well, which is it? Let's, 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 if we're going to go by numbers, let's go by numbers. If we're going to go by ratings. Let's go by ratings. So we're going by the Nielsen ratings and the NFL is in a. Uh, just a tailspin. The NBA has been going through it for years because they got to pay these guys so much money. Uh, It's just such an enormous amount of money. They got to pay them. So people say, Hey, I want to go to a basketball game. Sure. I do. Do I want to pay $250 like I do for NFL? No, I don't want to do that. And I don't, you know, I'm not doing it anymore. So they stay home. They watch it. Yeah. The TV money's okay. But guess what? That's dwindling too, because people say, Hey, I'm tired of watching people. I'm, I'm not watching you. If I wanted to watch politics or some activist crap, you know what i do? I'd turn to that channel. I'd find that channel and watch it. But I want to watch people dunk basketballs. I want to watch people hit baseballs like Tim Tebow out of the park. I want to watch people uh, actually do, what they're supposed to do on the football field. I don't I don't want all this political activism. Yeah, okay. You got a job, pal. Your job is to shut up and play the game. Your job is to do what you are supposed to be doing because you are paid to do it. You are not an entertainer, you are a sport player. And you know what? In one slight move, I I love that video. I love that video of that guy celebrating. It was even um it was you know, I said this a, a few minutes ago. What are they doing celebrating mediocre play? Everybody gets a trophy. I thought this was the best of the best. So, this guy makes a mediocre tackle and he's celebrating his mediocre play. And in his celebrating, he blows out his knee. He's done for the rest of the season. Love it. Instant dose of humility. Yeah,
3: that's right. Ironic justice, as I say. Yeah, yeah. Ironic justice. yeah, the way you're talking is uh it's reminding me of uh you know the film um Field of Dreams um where you know you have uh Kevin Costner and the uh, uh, uh just this wonderful cast of um uh centered on on baseball and uh you know the tension of the film is is interesting with james earl jones and all that there's all this do you remember the film it's all this political activism from the 1960s that split his family um so Mm -hmm. kevin costner you know kevin costner uh, never he walked out on his dad never saw his dad again because uh he wanted to become a political rebel and all that and his dad died before he could reconcile and he ended up going ahead and get buying a you know buying a farm in Iowa with his wife Annie and his and his daughter and all of a sudden they find out that this uh, this uh, baseball field is magical in that um, the uh, I think it was uh, Shoeless Joe Jackson and, and and other players from from the beginning of the 20th century all come back uh, and uh, they're there they're alive and they're playing the game. And I remember at one point uh, the James Earl Jones character, who, um, who was the hardcore, you know, uh, activist professor on campus kind of thing, um, he said, he, he made a beautiful soliloquy about baseball. And he said, you know, just something, and I'm going to paraphrase, there, baseball is, is basically, it's a, it's a piece of paradise. It, it's, it's a piece of the garden return. It's pre-political all politics cease here and now all that's good and right with the world is celebrated and we get to enjoy it that's why the the 4-year-old kid and the 94-year-old you know great great grandfather can sit together and eat the same popcorn and and enjoy the same game and of course the beauty of the movie is that uh, Kevin Costner's dad is one of the players that comes and and returns his dad was a was a baseball player but never made it and so in many ways the baseball field becomes sort of like a uh, retelling of the Prodigal Son. The son is able to, you know, be reunited with his dad. This is this is the beauty of sports. Sports, sports is I think it's much better connected with the uh, ideas of religion and culture, and our our shared identities. Uh, this is why we love sports. Sports are are related to where we grow up. Uh, they're very localized. Um, Now, of course, globalization's changed all that, you know, with professionalization and, and, you know, players have no loyalty to space or time or locality anymore. But there really was something so beautiful about sport. And it's still there, but um, almost in residue form, where all the things that divide us politically sort of cease for a few hours and we can just enjoy all that's right and good with the world. It's a, it's a very, you know, paradisical sense. So I think it's very faith-oriented. I think it's very, very religious. Unfortunately, because it's so now bound up with secularization, um, we, I mean, we can't even stand for our flag. We can't even honor our country anymore without, uh, without split loyalties, largely because of the radicalized multiculturalism.
2: So, what's the answer uh, for Christians? That, you know, and and once we let you go, this will this will be your swan song. This will be your parting shot here, if you will. What um what what's the answer for Christians? Because you know, Christians, Christians. Uh, I can remember. Look, I can remember a time. Now, and I'm 51. I just turned 51. I think last week, the 23rd, that's whatever right. day Happy that birthday. was. Happy birthday! That's right. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm 51 years old, and and uh, in some respects, I feel every bit of of 75, and in other respects, I feel like I'm a, a 17 year old or a 15 year old. Um, but the fact of the matter is, I remember a time when people had more respect. I remember a time where Christians were not afraid to say, "No, that's not how we act here." We, we don't behave like that here or a christian in a crowd was was also the patriot in the crowd and the christian looked at the person who wasn't standing for the national anthem in in the audience and said hey you better you better stand up Christ. or you go for a dive off the back of these bleachers um and uh and 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 then if there was somebody on the on the sidelines a football player that wasn't You know, observing, they would take heat for that. But no more. That that day is over. You're the hero if you're the gay guy. You get the call from the president if you're the black gay guy who's not good enough to make it in the NFL or the NBA or whatever. And you come out as gay. And guess what? All of a sudden, you're a hero. You're the hero now if you're the Ahmed clockmaker who takes apart a perfectly good alarm clock, repopulates an empty attache case, leaves the wires hanging out. All of a sudden, you're an engineering genius. Right, Um, right, Right. You know, your product isn't any good. What you're doing isn't any good. But now you're going to focus on some other things. So what do Christians do now? Uh, collision of Faith and Politics, that's our that's the name of our show. This is definitely, to me, a collision. This is a this is this is a crash. What do we do? Right. Right.
3: Yeah, it's interesting here. I think that while Christian society certainly had their share of problems and inconsistencies, um, th- those weren't intrinsic to the belief system itself like you have in secularism. And this is, this is because Christianity is, I think what's really neat about Christianity is that it's both civic and ethnic. So mm-hmm. on the one hand, uh, the Greek word for church is ekklesia, which referred to the rulers of the polis, or the Greek city-state. So the term is actually, our, our original term for the church is really a civic term or a political term. But on the other hand, Christianity is also thoroughly multicultural in that all peoples, tongues, nations are incorporated in the transformative life, death, and resurrection of Christ. But because of this common incorporation, it means that all cultures are united in Christ. And so this is where you get, you know, early Christians such as Aristides of Athens in the early 2nd century arguing that Christians are a united race in that there's neither Jew or Greek, right? We're all one in Christ. So the various cultures of the world find a unity in their common redemption and sanctification in Christ. We together make up the one holy, Catholic, you know, universal, apostolic church. So there's no split in Christianity between civic loyalties on the one hand and ethnic loyalties on the other as there is in uh, secularism so i think we have a great opportunity to share the cultural dimensions of the gospel to the extent that we turn away from the redemption of christ we as a society are going to unravel there's no way around that only christianity rooted in the unity and diversity of the trinity can bring together diverse cultures into a coherent and united vision of redemption. And the secular nation state simply can't do this. So I think we have a beautiful apologetic moment here. It says, look, there's certainly, there's a great diversity in our society, but there's a unity that's found in Christ, this pre-political unity, that we can then bring into civic space as an extension of our shared life world in the church, so as to work out our problems in, in with distinctively Christian frames of reference to, uh, brought to bear on those problems. So I, I think we've got a golden moment here in many respects.
2: Hmm. Awesome. Well, I like your positive thinking. That's one of the reasons why we love having you on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Dr. Stephen Turley, and um, in, in he's written some great articles. Where can they find your articles, and where can they buy your book?
3: Ah, you, you, uh, my website, Turley Talks. Uh, it's my last name, T's and Tom. U R L E Y talks, like almost like a TED Talks.com. Uh, and uh, we um, post blogs up there a couple of times, a few times a week. And uh, there's lots of free ebooks to download, uh, videos, podcasts, and then some of my more published uh, material that you can purchase. It's all on TurleyTalks.com.
2: Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's always a pl- uh, privilege to have you. Uh, you bring some. Uh, some real sense to it. Even though you're a very scholarly guy, you bring a lot of great sense to it and you unpack it in such a way that it's just a pleasure to listen and, and to learn. We feel like you're your students and we're glad to be. So we'll hope you come back and keep on doing the writing and the speaking and, and we'll be glad to have you back on.
3: Oh, right back at you, Sean. Thanks so much, brother. All right,
2: brother. Thank you. Take care. God bless you. you. Well, there you have it, folks. That's, uh, that's the real deal right there. Uh, Dr. Stephen Turley, really, really great guy, certainly in a, in a, an incredible writer, a thinker, you know, thinking, thinking sort of above, but yet in, intensely inside the issue, and that's a real important thing. Hey, how many of you, um, last week, you know, uh, we were privileged to have Kay Rivoli listening in she was in chat with us and she sent me the song uh jesus the only answer we're going to play that at the end of the show today jesus the only answer but we played that as our open on um on sunday so go to the ninja pastor.com dr sean greener.com go to the ninja pastor blog or listen listens all the way to the left click on that you'll hear it. you click on sunday show and, and uh it's meant the message was was um kind of a powerful message. This coming Sunday, you don't want to miss this Sunday. Um, you know, the the name of, and it, this is if the Lord tarries, if, he's, if, he, if, he, if he keeps his patience with us, uh, you know, I'll be preaching this, finishing well and unafraid, why I'm not afraid to die. Um, and it will be kind of a powerful thing. I don't know if it's, uh, we have a lot of young, young, young people listen all around the world, but I don't know that this one will be for the young, young, young ones. I don't know. Maybe you have a, you use it as a conversation starter, but it's going to be pretty intense. Uh, we're going to, we're going to hit some uh, issues relating to death and dying pretty hard. So if you've had a recent death or an impending death in your family, uh, it, it might be good for you to listen to. And, uh, and I'd be honored to deliver it. I'm still working on it, but I was, wrote it in about 20 minutes the other day and it just, boom, landed on me. So I can't wait to deliver this message if the Lord tarries. So uh, I want to say this really quick. Um, I'm, I'm trying to have Dr. James Garlow, Jim Garlow uh, on. He, he's really a fantastic guy. Great speaker, great writer. Um, Skyline Church, I think is the name of his church in San Diego. He wrote this book called Well-Versed, Biblical Answers to Today's Tough Issues. And I was privileged to be given this book by my good friends, John and Jill Stabley, great patriots. Uh, great followers of the way and uh, and uh, reading the ink off the pages and and so we're working on getting dr. garlow on our show but he wrote a piece I just just I think at the beginning I'm, I might be imagining this but at the beginning of the show uh, I talked about some reasons why uh, you should you should you're you're not you're not taking a Place of superiority over me, if you uh, are saying, "Well, I'm not going to vote for Donald Trump." Well, Dr. Garlow wrote this, and uh, I want to I'm going to give this to you uh, as a gift from me to you, and maybe we'll we'll reprint it on on my website, and we'll put a link to his website. He's a bunch of stuff you can sign up for for free and all that. But I don't want to get into all that clickbait stuff that pops up on other people's websites. I don't have any of it on mine. The only thing you're ever going to see on mine are there's some banners at the bottom that are constant for second call defense. If you own a gun, if you own a gun, let alone carry gun, good lands, if you carry a gun, you had better have second call defense. You get a month free, you go click on it, you can watch videos, what it's about, different risk you face, all that stuff. For as cheap as it is, and as good as it is, it's silly to not have it. So so Dr. Garlow, but that's the only thing you're going to see on my website, those types of things. You'll also see a pop-up to sign up for updates and all that for me. And that's it. That's all you're going to get. You're not going to get pumped a bunch of stuff. Um, So go there and it'll, it'll be there. We'll reprint it there. Um, So Dr. Garlow says, I have been asked the question so many times regarding Trump or Hillary by way of background. I followed every national convention, Republican and Democrat. From the time I was nine, I've attended most of the GOP conventions from 1984 to the present. I've watched the news virtually every day from the age of eight. I've never seen anything like what we are observing. In spite of the unprecedented nature of this election cycle, I will attempt to respond to the question. I am not demanding that anyone else share my view, but I was asked, here's my best attempt to answer, Uh, as I am able to see things at this time. Number one, the Democrat and Republican Party platforms are as different as night and day. In my opinion, as far apart as evil versus good. The 51-page Democratic platform is the most leftist ever. I don't care for the right versus left nomenclature. I'm far more concerned with right versus wrong. The Democrat platform contains many points which are anti-biblical. Time doesn't permit me here to identify what is meant by anti-biblical, uh, which is covered in my new book. And I just told you about that. well verse biblical answers today. It's a phenomenal book. It is a thoroughly socialistic, a socialist is a communist without a gun. The 54 page GOP platform is one of the strongest GOP platforms ever. A biblically alert person could be comfortable with almost all of it. Party platforms are a big issue to me. Although some may blow off party platforms, I do not. Nor do many people up and down the ballot who are running for office. This is a serious and very important item. I have a hard copy of both platforms in front of me now. Most people have never checked out what the party platforms say they should. If a person is not drawn to the top of the ballot candidate, they ought to at least consider voting for the candidate attached to the best party platform. Number two, analogy number one, both candidates are flawed. We all know that, but permit me an an analogy. As a pastor, I would rather deal with a church attendee who is blatant and brash in his sinning than one who is devious, lying, cunning, and deceptive. Both are problematic, but one is easier to deal with than the other. If I were a pastor bringing correction to a parishioner, I would prefer dealing with a Trump type any day over a Hillary type. The chances of making any progress with the Trump type are many times greater than the Hillary type. Here's analogy number two. When my late wife's remarkable, much-loved oncologist said, don't take Carol to that alternative non-FDA approved treatment, I asked, why not? He said, the unknown. I said, doctor, your known is much worse than the alternative treatment's unknown. I took her to uh, that alternative treatment. One year later, that same oncologist went to the alternative treatment doctor to see how it was that Carol had improved so much. While this lifestyle While this alternative treatment did not ultimately save her life, it is likely, uh, it likely stretched two or three years of life to six years of life by the admission of another one of her brilliant young oncologists who later said, without any medical training, scientific or scientific fact, you have put together a protocol of treatment that has moved her in the top fraction of 1% of survival rates of all patients with Carol's particular cancer. The application of the analogy, Hillary's Hillary's known, is considerably worse, many times over, than Trump's known. Trump has lots of sins in his past. Actually, we all do. I do. Sean Greener does. And in the present, I do. Sean Greener does. Says things he shouldn't say. I make no attempt to defend any of the things he said. There's no need to rehearse the wrong things he has said. We know what they are, he should not have thought them or said them. But there's no need to rehash them here, so we won't. But let's turn to the other candidate. Although America has had some scandal-ridden candidates in its history, we have never seen any one majority party candidate more constantly scandalous as Hillary, along with her husband. She seems to exceed All previous boundaries for wrongdoing. The scandals just don't stop. In the same way, we do not take time to list all of Trump's misstatements. Neither will we rehash the seemingly continuous string of horrific scandals of the Clintons. Trump is, this is number five in his list, Trump is slowly being surrounded by increasingly good people from time to time. I receive encouraging calls regarding this. Can these good people impact Trump? We'll see. In contrast, I see no reason for her for any encouragement regarding the people who surround Hillary. And let me, let me stop there and let me say this. We have an open candidate versus a closed candidate. Jerry from Pennsylvania called it exactly right. Took the words right out of my mouth. We have a candidate who is who he is. Says, this is who I am. And I like me, but this is who I am. We have another candidate who has been nothing but a sneaky, lying, evil person. Really virtually all her life that we know is documented. That's just a fact. I mean, uh, the thing is, I look at, I look at uh, how they're pandering to, and we won't have time for this today. I don't know where all the time went today, but somehow or another, it just went flying by. Uh, when Hillary Clinton goes to, uh, no, 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 let's not even, no, 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 let's go back. Let's not even say Hillary Clinton. Let's go to the first half white half-race president we've ever had, because he's certainly not the first black president, because he's not black. He's half-raced. And he's more African than he is, more Kenyan than he is any other thing, if we believe who his father is. The point of this is, is when that guy goes to a black church, what's he do? He develops a manner of speaking, and he, and he kind of behaves in a way that suddenly he is a black preacher. And I know the y'all around here, <laughs> y'all around here know what struggle is. Y'all around here know what it's like to wish you had more beans and rice, but you don't. Because the beans and rice makers don't come to your neighborhood. And all y'all know what it's like to want to go get a job, but because your skin is a, is a darker shade, you can't get that job. But unless a candidate going to get that job. And the Bible says in Hezekiah 519, blah, 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 and he makes up crap. That's what he does. But you know what, Hillary Clinton, she does the same thing. And I know, and you know, her voice, oh man, fingernails on a chalkboard. I can't listen to that woman talk. Please Lord, don't get her elected. You know, I can't, I can barely listen to Obama speak. Now you're going to make me listen to Hillary. I'm working on an impression of her, but it's just awful. It'll break my speakers and my microphone and all. I got to find a way to protect my electronic, my sensitive electronic equipment so I can keep on doing this show because I do an impression of her and her voice. Woof. But she, she develops this Southern affect. She develops this. You look at the recordings of her over the course of her career, if you will. And you see about nine different personalities and it's just depending on wherever she is, but she develops this Southern black affect to her voice. It's embarrassing folks. If, if, if you're a black person and she comes to your church, I wouldn't stand for it. I'd come on, come on. Who are you kidding? But see, my, my point in bringing this up is, is, is we know that Donald Trump has been around a lot of powerful Christian leaders, powerful Jewish leaders, Christian leaders. We know Donald Trump just met with Bibi Netanyahu. Did you know that he, uh, Trump and Bibi Netanyahu shared a Christian and Hebrew prayer? Together? yeah, no cameras, no recordings. Just hey, I want to pray for you. Would you mind? We'll pray in English and we'll pray in Hebrew. And then he translated it for Mr. Trump. There's more and more people like that around Trump than you can possibly imagine. Let me tell you something. The fake people who pretend to be all about good and doing the right thing and and the issues and all this stuff in, in allegedly the black church, Come on now, you can't possibly sit here and, and go on and on and on about Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. It's standing in a church, a black church, and talk about the issues about black people and keeping black people alive from all these police officers trying to run around and kill them. This fella Keith Scott, you remember that guy? Remember all these these uh, protests and whatnot? Or allegedly, now I don't call them protests. I talked about them last week. I took a lot of heat for that. I took a lot of heat. Let me tell you, I don't, I don't even. I haven't even gotten to all the emails you're a racist. You're a racist. Whatever. I've heard it before. I'll hear it again. Whatever. But you know, uh, five white people were killed by police officers that same day Keith Scott was killed. Five. Five white people were killed the same day by police officers. Now, those five white people, there's not, there's not a bunch of protests or demonstrations people in the street stopping cars on the interstate no nobody's turning over anything well they did bad things they didn't do what the police told them to do guess what pull a gun on a police pull a a knife on a police officer you're going to get shot is it always the case is it is it always a good shoot is it always right no but more often than not that it is you look at this long list of all these all these protests and all this stuff and you look at that these people were wrong anyway i'm talking more about if we if we don't run out of time, I don't, I don't know. Somebody needs to be in charge of this time machine. Just a pause. I just need a button that says pause, and then we can do what we need to do, and then we'll press play again and speed back up. But we know this: Trump is slowly being surrounded by increasingly good people. When he goes to a black church, he doesn't pretend like he knows a bunch of stuff. When he goes to a synagogue, he doesn't pretend like he knows a bunch of Hebrew. When he goes to a Polish community center, he doesn't he doesn't pretend like he's Polish. He's Donald Trump. He's not, he's not all about pretend. He's not all about pretend. He's not all about, you know, I'm going to pretend to be this or that. It's unfortunate, but the other candidate absolutely is shining you on, man. That's, that's something I, I heard a term when I was stationed in the South years and years years ago in the South, uh, in the military shining. Well, that fell shining you on. Well, you shining me on. Well, there you go. That's what she's done for the last 30 something years. She's shined folks on. Anyway, back to this. Trump is right on approximately 75% of the issues. I wish it was 100%. This is Dr. Jim Garlow. It is not. I am in hopes of those beginning to surround him can help connect the dots, help him connect the dots on more issues. Hillary, however, is wrong on 100% of the issues. So let me go back to this black church where Hillary pretends I'm your best friend ever. Um, You know what she's really saying when she says all that crap that she says that she doesn't believe? She's saying, listen, folks, you don't vote for me. Guess what? That check? that gets automatically uh, put in your bank every week, every month, that's going to stop because this fellow is going to take it away. Now, she may cloak it in a bunch of other stuff, a bunch of other issues, talking about Black Lives Matter and our young black men getting shot, blah, blah, blah. She may cloak it in that, but here's what she's really saying. You don't vote for me, folks. Guess what? That check's going to stop. Your easy way of living going to stop. Yeah, we could do some things better. Yeah, you could do some things better. But guess what? You don't vote for me. That check's going to stop. This gravy train is coming to into the station and it will not be going any further. Donald Trump goes right in the belly of the beast in Detroit and other cities and says, look, you know, what's going on in your community is bad. And you know what? This this community, this city, Philadelphia, Detroit, Baltimore, all these other places you've been led by democrats since the 60s some of you've never had republican leadership look what's happened to your city i'm not saying republicans get it right all the time republicans have a lot of problems but guess what you can sure identify the democrat led cities that have the worst problems so hillary stands in that black church and says all those things meanwhile we say that it's really important for us to focus on black lives matter 82% many of the cities across all across america 82% of the babies, the black babies, never survived the womb because mama goes in and has it aborted. 82%. Now, somebody's got go to go throw the flag on that. and Somebody's got to say, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Which black lives are you saying matters? How about the 3,000 plus that, that die in Chicago so far this year? Do those lives matter? Now, they're bad guys killing bad guys for the most part. Well, for the most part, I don't care if they kill themselves. I really don't. They're evil. They're peddling drugs along their own communities. They're killing their own people. If it's not with a gun, it's with a needle. Newsflash. Newsflash. Those black lives don't matter. Name me five people from Chicago. Five people. Five white people died the same day Keith Scott died. Five white people all across were killed by police officers as a result of them not following direction. It was shot and killed by police officers, not one demonstration. You see, I trust Donald Trump. When he goes into a church, he's not going to pretend that he's something he's not. Hillary Clinton, it's coming out now that it's believed if you watch the tape back, I've watched it about, I guess, 20, 30 times. After reviewing the debate tape, uh, it looks very much as though there were signals and signs for through Hillary Clinton and Lester Holt, I'm sorry to tell you, I'm not a conspiracy guy, but I'm telling you, you watch that back and you watch certain facial movements that she makes. Watch when she touches certain parts of her face. You watch and then watch what's happened to every single time. It happens every single time. Signals. I talked about in the open about that paperwork that was removed from Hillary Clinton's podium and it was handed behind, you know, right behind uh, the candidates. As Lester Holt was walking out, that fellow, whoever he is, handed, him the, handed Lester Holt the documents that were on Hillary Clinton's. Didn't do it with Donald Trump's. Didn't do it. But if you look and you watch the videos, you go back and forth and you watch the videos, you will see. It is amazing over and over and over. Now, I think she did cheat. And I think NBC and whoever else was behind all this, they're behind all of it. Oh, absolutely. You say, well, that's so, that's so crazy. That's what they depend on you to say. They depend on you to say, oh, that's crazy. Sean, that's crazy. Dr. Sean, you, you, you need to eat more protein. You about to lose your mind. You talking crazy stuff. Really? Watch the folks. Oh, an American, uh, secretary of state's never going to allow, uh, an ambassador you know, never going to allow four Americans be murdered and 30 some more be, be seriously injured and, and refuse their calls for help, refuse their calls for extra security. No, no, she's never going to, nobody's ever going to do that. Really? Benghazi, Libya, four great Americans lost their lives. They gave their lives. Christopher Stevens was tortured before he died. Why? Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton pinned that on a video. Guess what? It wasn't the video. Wasn't even remotely a video. Had nothing to do with a video. Anyway, let me go on back to this. Number seven for Dr. Jim Garlow. The next issue may be might be one of the most important, but I suspect few will understand its significance. Trump opposes globalism. Hillary thrives on it. Globalism is far more, geogra- more than geographical or eliminating national borders or boundaries. It is spiritual and demonic at its core. Few, very few understand this. This is quite likely one of the main reasons why Trump is so hated. Do your homework on this one. Think principalities and powers. Serious, extremely serious. Let me say this. My good friend Mark Kerr, if, he, if he's ever not uh, going 150 miles per hour, I'm going to have him back on this show, and I'm going to have him talk— to you about this, this very thing. We learn these things in the Center for Self Governance training that we have. I've been through five levels of the training. It's the best training I've ever had. No, they don't pay me. They don't pay any of themselves either. They don't, nobody gets a paycheck. They're trying to save this country. And I'm telling you, it's the secret sauce. It's the way to do it. The fact of the matter is, Mark Kerr will tell you that. They want to make it global. They want, this is why you have regional governments. This is why you don't, you know, you don't have your mayors hardly anymore, except in Texas. You don't have your mayors hardly anymore standing up to the regional and the national governments. No, instead they say, hey, we need you. Come on in. Uh, We're turning the investigation in Charlotte. We're turning the investigation over to, um to uh, to the federal authorities, they're investigating. The state uh, bureau of investigations is investigating. Then they're turning it over to the federals. Is is it outside their ability to investigate? You know what? The John Benet Ramsey case. They did not have a homicide division uh, when John Benet twenty years ago. John Benet Ramsey, that little six year old, was was tortured and murdered. Most people don't know that she was tortured. She absolutely was tortured horribly. The things that were done to this child, unbelievable. I believe it's one of the family members that did it. Mom and dad covered it up. Bottom line is this, is they didn't have a, a homicide division. So what they have to do, they had to reach outside. Uh, eventually they realized, Hey, this is over our head. They were rich people. Uh, they wielded a lot of influence in the community and they, and they didn't bungle the case. They purposely uh, failed to render justice here, protecting a very prominent family, egregious. People should go to jail for it. Absolutely. But it comes with this. It, Charlotte has great, Police leadership. How about a black police chief? Guy's super smart, knows what he's doing. How could there be black injustice? Somebody tell me. You got you got a black president. You got two black attorney generals of the United States of America. You got black mayors. You got black black uh uh sheriffs. You got black police chiefs. Black state police. Chief. You got all this black blah black, blah blah all the way down. Black black uh uh states attorneys. All this stuff, and yet they're still raising. Who's the system? Somebody show me where the system is. What is the system? Because you're the system. You're the system. Stop talking about it like it's like it's some magical secret, invisible thing. my my white privilege somehow or another is oozing out and crushing your ability to live a good life. has have a police has it ever happened that a police officer has wrongfully shot and killed an individual? Has it ever been that a police officer has made a mistake? Thinking one thing and another thing was to the case. And in that split second, I encourage you to go to my Facebook, go to my Facebook and watch the video in which the police officer is begging for his life. He's begging for this man. Don't go, don't go back to your, don't go back to your car. Don't go back to your car. Please, sir. Don't go back to your car. Guy goes back to the car. Sir, get out of your car. Sir, get out of your car. Sir, get out of of your car. The guy wrenches his seat forward, takes him a long time to do it. Finally gets out a high power rifle and shoots and kills on video, the police officer. Now the man has been put to death. but does that bring the police officer back for his family? No, it does not. No, it does not. That guy was killed because because he waited too long. I think that I think the man was in the wrong job. Police officer, God rest his soul. He was in the wrong job. he's he begged one time too many. actually, he begged about thirty five times too many. I don't think he could have pulled the trigger no matter what. he. He just didn't have it in him. Doesn't mean he's weak, just means he was in the wrong job. And he's dead. There's a, there's a great meme going around uh, social media that has a police chief pointing uh, two guns, two black guns at the camera. And he says, quick, tell me which one's a BB gun. Quick, tell me which, which gun's a toy. Too late, you're dead. He's exactly right. Do those shootings happen? Yeah, I think they do. I know they do. Here's the problem. You wait too long and then the good guy gets killed. You pull a toy gun on a police officer, you're going to get shot. 13-year-old, I think a 12 or 13-year-old uh, gangbanger already in Cleveland, Ohio, pulled a BB gun on a police officer. He had pointed at people. He had robbed people with this same gun. And it called for a robbery. He pulls the gun on police, points the gun to police. He gets shot and killed. Guess what? Sorry. It happened in his life at some point or another. That's just, that's just the bottom line. It would have happened in his life. He would have been killed by a police officer or somebody else, because if he's that dumb at 12 or 13, he's going to continue on that path. Very highly likely that's going to happen. All right, so here you go. Not voting is a, is a, uh, is not a viable option. Contrary to what the purists claim, it is not my intention to begin a war of the issue. I know that some radically disagree with this. My view, they have the right to be wrong. Number nine, voting for a third-party candidate is, regardless of what is said, a complete throwaway. Yep, that's right. I'm telling you right now, a third-party candidate is not going to be elected. Well, the third-party candidate's not going to be elected until we all stand up. Well, guess what? We're all not going to stand up. We're not going to do it. Listen, it, you got to be kidding me. If you don't think that we don't stand up for our Christian and, and our faith rights and, and we cede our rights— to all these people, because we don't know, we haven't had the CSG training. So we all just, the Center for Self-Governance Training, we all just lean back and go, well, I don't want to be a racist. I don't want to be a, you know, I don't want to be a party Well, We're supposed to be, you know, humble and follow authority, Bible says. And so what do we do? We sit back and we, we let our rights sit. If we're not going to stand up for those rights that impact us and our family directly, are you telling me we're going to actually stand up for right or wrong with a candidate, somehow or another, we're all going to bind together of this third party candidate, which by the way, our third party candidates are inviable. They are ridiculous. This, this Johnson fella, come on now. And Weld? Pff, you've got to be kidding me. Putzes at best. Jill Stein, cuckoo for Coco Buffs. Super sharp lady, super smart lady. Green party, cuckoo for Coco. Come on. Listen, go read what she's what she's for. Now, come on now. And Johnson and Weldon, and, and, and Dr. Garlow points this out, nearly as bad as Hillary on many of the issues. I don't even know how they ever made it in elective office. Dr. Garlow says the same thing. Here's number 10. Trump has moved pro-life. Hillary is pro-baby killing. Just pride yourself on that, folks. Planned Parenthood. They traffic human baby parts. This is Nazi Germany. And this is Hillary Clinton. She's for this. She is for this. She is a a fan, a flaming fan. Let's shred babies in the womb. Let's sell their baby parts. That's a good business for us. Those baby parts, folks, aren't saving lives. I want to tell you that they're not saving lives. They're not. That's not what they're for. That's not what they're for. Don't let them kid you. That's not what they're doing with them. And this woman wants that. Trump has been moving consistently, incrementally more pro-life, not to get elected, in his own personal life. His family, his family, his kids are very pro-life and have always been pro-life. Very, very out pro-life. Now, look, I'm getting a lot of messages right now. People say, what are you, a shill? What are you, like Sean Hannity. Now, all of a sudden, you're like a Trump. Why do we got to listen to all this pro-Trump crap all the time? Let me tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. I don't want to hurt your feelings. But in, what, 40 days or less, we are voting for the president of the United States of America. And one of those people is an evil, murdering, killer, just I, care, couldn't care less about you, couldn't care less about any race, let alone. Look, she wants to chop babies up. Her hero is Margaret Sanger. You know Margaret Sanger's, she formed Planned Parenthood. Why did she do that? To get rid of black kids. Because she hated black people. And your federal money goes to Planned Parenthood. Somebody's got a problem here. And I'll tell you what, Hillary Clinton represents the most evil ever. Let Let me tell you what else. My buddy Jerry from Pennsylvania sums it up real clear. Trump is our guy, period. Some of you might bellow back at me. Hey, he's not my guy. I didn't vote for the guy. Well, guess what? Not enough of you voted for Ted Cruz. Not enough of you voted for Rick Perry. Not enough of you voted for Huckabee. Not enough voted. I don't think anybody should ever vote for the putts from Ohio. Nobody should vote for that guy. Guy's an idiot. The people in Ohio can't wait to get rid of that guy. Well, my guy was Mitt Romney. Guess what? You couldn't manage to, to get that guy elected. Many many Christians stayed at home because well, he's a Mormon, for Pete's sake. And you're telling me, well, he's not my guy. Donald Trump's not my guy. I didn't want that guy. I wanted, I wanted Ted Cruz. I wanted Ted Cruz, too. I did a lot of work for Ted Cruz, did a lot of shows showing you, hey, this is what this guy's about. You need to understand that this is our best shot ever. Well, America didn't take that. Because the guy looks a little bit funny in the face. He's, uh, you know, he's not the best looking guy ever. He's got kind of a little bit of a voice like this, a little point of a nose. And you know what? People don't want to support a guy who looks like that. Yeah, it's sad and it's true. So you didn't get out there and you didn't get this guy elected. You didn't make him our nominee. And guess what? I'm going to tell you right now. You want somebody to shred Hillary Clinton in the debates? You let Ted Cruz get after Ted Cruz, look, Look, Hillary don't have a chance. Hillary would not have debated Ted Cruz. That's my estimate. That's my estimate. If she was running against Ted Cruz, she would not have debated him. Why? The man is a flipping genius. There's not a question you can ask him that he's not going to have the actual truthful fact-check-all-you-want answer, and he'll shred you on it. Hillary couldn't, didn't stand a chance against him in debates. But you know what? we didn't elect him. We didn't nominate him. We nominated Donald Trump. He's our guy, period. He's our guy. And why am I so on this? I'll tell you why I'm so on it. Because in less than 40 days, 40 days or less, whatever the number of days is, we're electing a president. And if we elect Hillary Clinton, I'm telling you right now, oh, I love this statement. Come on, Jerry. You this, These got to be in a book somewhere. There are more porta-potties at Trump rallies than people at Hillary rallies. You hear me on that? Jerry speaks the truth. That's absolutely true. There are more porta-potties at Trump rallies than there are people at Hillary rallies. Totally true. Can't even fill a high school auditorium. No excitement. This woman says post-birth abortion, she thinks by up to a certain number of months, you should be able to abort the baby. And you know what it's called? It's called murdering the baby. That's what drives her. You've got to be kidding me, folks! You can let a person like this ever get into the White House? What I know about Trump is that he's moving pro-life more and more and more every day. I know his kids have been pro-life for a long time, very, very pro-life. That's reality, folks. You can you can say whatever you want, and if you don't think you say, well, that's his kids. His kids aren't running for president, really. Smarten up, folks. I believe this about Donald Trump. He wants to defend this country. That's the purpose of government. Dr. Garlow says Trump wants to defend the nation. Hillary has a horrific track record as secretary of state. She lost billions of dollars. Nobody seems to care about that. She, She did emails on private servers that got hacked by our enemies. And she lied about it. I can take one look at her and tell you that her emails were not about yoga and her grandchild. She ain't doing no yoga. Hundreds of millions of dollars given to her and her husband's foundation. She is beholden to those dead. Look, look, I'm going to tell you something. Hillary says everything is fine in America. Donald Trump is negative. (laughs) Nope. We can't pretend, folks. We can't pretend. Listen, last night, my buddy Jerry tells me, last night in Melbourne, Florida, I have friends that were actually there in the audience were in the the VIP section. 15,000 people were in the building, 12,000 people outside. And they waited for hours for the opportunity. Hillary Clinton has never had a group that big until the DNC. And even then it wasn't that big. They were, she was, she was so angry, so angry. When at the DNC, so many empty seats. She looked out in the crowd and her aides were so many empty seats. Where'd they go? I'm the nominee. You've got to be kidding me. I'm the biggest, I'm the first woman to be nominated. This is history right here. Where in the world could they be? I'm going to tell you something. I got to stop here on the on, but I'm going to pick it up next week. I promise you that. I'm going to somebody remind me. But the bottom line is this there's one answer. There's one answer. And that's Jesus. Yeshua Hamashiach, Jesus the Messiah. There's one answer. I'm telling you right now, you may not be a believer, but you're going to be a believer before it's over. You go and let Hillary Clinton get elected. You go on and let her get elected. You watch and see. This, this nation will burn from city to city, will burn. And Kate Rivoli and Ron Rivoli, good friends of mine, great patriots, laying it all on the line. Rivoli Review. Go to that RivoliReview.com. They're amazing. She's on Facebook. She's on my Facebook. You look all over there. It's all over the place. She's also all over my um, my TheNinjaPastor.com, greener.com. I want you to listen to this. I want you to hear what is being said. Listen to the words. Listen to these words. Powerful. Join me on Sunday. I'm going to be talking about a tough thing, real tough thing, finishing well and unafraid. Why I am not afraid of dying. God bless you. Thank you for joining me today. Share this with all of your friends. I know you got lots more friends than I do. Share this show, the link, the, the ninjapastor.com, the blog, all that stuff. Share it with your friends. Thank you. Listen to the song.
0: Check Wikipedia. But if you're looking for the answer, well, you better look up above. Jesus is the answer, He's the way to go. We are all God's children, the Bible tells us so. If we want to come together, let's do it on our faith, and let's all join hands with Jesus. Before it is too late Stop the killing in the streets Let's join at Jesus' feet To stop the prejudice Let's turn to the Prince of Peace To take color from our eyes And to help us unify If violence is the cancer Jesus is the answer Jesus is the answer You can check it out on Snopes School yourself on all the facts But if you want the real solution Jesus is where it's at Jesus came in Racial hate Let's all join hands at Calvary Put the devil back in his place Stop the killing in the streets Let's join at Jesus' feet To stop the prejudice Let's turn to the Prince of Peace Take color from our
1: us next time for the collision of faith and politics and please follow this show at www.blog.radio.com forward slash The Ninja Pastor and follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio and at www.